Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back. There has been such a lag, and I'm so sorry I have not done a show in so long. I don't know if you guys have missed me, but I have missed being on here, and I have missed talking to you guys. Um, I don't know if you guys have missed my ums and all of that, but I really have missed doing shows. Uh, I've been busy, a little busy. Uh, Our law has changed here in Indiana, and that has been so exciting and aggravating, to say the least. We've got our peeps here in Indiana sitting and waiting and waiting and waiting. But we do have some peeps that have gotten their stuff, so that part is exciting, and uh, we have gotten some some good news for some people here and the work that has been done by Indiana Adoptee Network has been amazing and I have a great board and they have done some great work and we will talk about some things that are coming up for Indiana Adoptee Network so that's going to be on uh, a little later in the show we'll talk about that. But for now, I want to talk about my guest today, um, and she is one of the few <laughs> far between that have gotten their stuff. So my guest today is Heidi Meyer. Uh, she and I have gotten to know each other and become fast and furious friends. Um, so Heidi is married and a mother of two small boys. Um, she and her husband um, not only is Heidi an adoptee, but she did the crazy thing and turn around and adopt herself. Um, so I want her to tell a little bit about her story and what she's done and what she's doing for her boys. So really, is there nothing more than what to know when you've adopted, what you can do for your children? So welcome, Heidi, and I want you to talk about a little bit about your story, and uh, you can tell about Indiana's crazy waiting story. And um, anyway, welcome to Adoptees Unplugged. Thanks, Pam. I'm so happy to be here. This is really great on a, a nice wintry, cold day in Indiana. I, um, <laughs> I'm, I, yeah, I know. I'm new to uh, to all this, so hopefully it it goes over well, and my voice doesn't uh, crackle and do funny things, but. Um, so I've always loved to talk about adoption and have loved to talk about my own story and it's kind of obviously developed and blossomed into different things as I've gotten older. Um, but I couldn't be more happy than to be talking with the women of the hour who created (laughs) basically this door that opened up in my life. So, um, I think everyone listening can, can really agree and just, please like send all the applause and thanks to, to Pam and her, her team of, of mightiness because uh, it's something that we rightfully deserve to know our beginning and didn't have access to until now. So um, fortunately I, I feel bad just uh, like I won some free Botox a couple weeks ago and I thought the girls were going to like murder me outside the door. Um, but I'm one of the the lucky ones, I guess that I, 
I followed everything that you suggested on, on your website and on your Facebook page about when to submit my forms. Um, and so I did that. I mean, I knew, you know, two years ago that things were going to start happening around this time. So um, I filed the very first day that you could file, uh, sent that in via email and waited. <laughs> so yeah. Waited like everybody else. Um, I had also taken your advice and I did Ancestry.com. I did that two years ago when, um, you know, I don't know what the exact term is you call it, or the law kind of erupted into its, its yes, it's happening stage. Right. Um, and I originally did Ancestry and didn't get anything. It was like, oh, this person could be your 20th cousin. <laughs> so I didn't really have a lot of luck with it initially, and then I just kind of put it on the back burner. Um, but when I submitted my paperwork, I thought, you know, I think I'm going to go – on Ancestry again, and I'm going to check it out and just see. And so there actually was one match um, that was a direct relative match, and I read it, and it um, it actually uh, – it was a, a male, and um, there wasn't a picture or anything like that. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to start Googling this person um, but that little search didn't really end up with anything. I didn't connect with anyone. I didn't um, really have success with it. So I said, well, I'm just going to sit back and wait. I did email the person, which I know after learning. Um, right. That's probably not the best thing to do. But um, I did send a short email to this person and didn't hear anything back. Um so, you know, we waited June, July, and then August 10th, I got my special delivery in the mail. And I always was like, okay, I'm going to record it. I'm going to like, you know, take my phone out, record myself opening the the, the envelope. And I didn't. I would just kind of like sat with it and was like, it's here. It's really like what's inside is, is me. Um, but I will say, uh, you know, it was such an – such a just flood of emotions and um, people had always talked to me about, you know, adoption trauma and feeling that. And I'm like, no, I've had a great life. I always knew I was adopted and my parents were so open and wonderful. And, you know, I had fresh baked cookies and like I was a spoiled little kid and got every, you know, book and toy that I wanted. And my parents did all these great things for me and I don't have any trauma. And then, the trauma window, like, just rushed in. So yep. now I know what to talk about. Um, but I initially found everybody. I found my birth mother. I found uh, her name was listed on my birth certificate. Um, however, she was married and divorced at the time, so it wasn't her – I wasn't sure what was her maiden name and what was her, you know, right. um, real name or whatever. But – um, I found my birth brother on Facebook, so social media really wow. catapulted everything. Um, and I found everybody within um, within an hour of wow. doing all that. And so it was just kind of one, you know, you Google, and then I, I found actually an obituary from my birth mother's late husband, and it oh. had my brother's name there. Um, so I found him on Facebook. And instantly he was my big brother. He talked to me on the phone. Um, you know, it was a really great one-on-one conversation. And he was just so elated to 
finally know his baby sister. He had been told he had a baby sister, but it was, I was just a sentence. I wasn't anything else. Um, and he didn't know anything else about me. So, um, so that kind of started that. And then, you know, it was just this whirlwind of a day and he's like, well, here's, here's my birth mom, you know, here's my mom. Her name is Kathy. And, um, you know, I don't know. She, she may be kind of challenging to, to get a hold of, but, you know, I'm going to let her know that you're looking for her. And I wanted to wait a day. I just, it was such an overwhelming day that I didn't want to just, you know, talk to her so quickly. Um, right. And so we did, we spoke the next day. And then after, um, I think it was a little bit before I called Kathy. I'm like, I'm going to go back to my file. I'm going to go back to my envelope, my, my golden envelope. And um, right. I realized there was my adoption decree. And I was like, oh, wait, what's this paper behind my original birth certificate? It's my adoption right. decree. And lo and behold, there was my birth father's name. So then, you know, I went on the crazy Google rampage again and found my birth sister um, could not find my birth father, but did find my birth sister. So, um, so I've met both my birth parents, my birth mom and my birth father and, um, talk regularly with my birth brother. Uh, my birth sister has really struggled with just, I guess, the existence and the knowledge and the secrecy of me. Um, yeah. and so it's, it's, it's been a bit challenging for her. So, and it's, this whole dynamic because I was a secret to my birth father's right. family. Um, so it's, it's been an interesting a way to navigate and, you know, dealing with trauma in certain instances and having this whole new life that exists in my world now that uh, how do we talk about and how do we appropriately <laughs> talk about and share with others? Because it's so fascinating to people that aren't, in our little adoption bubble, they really think that it's this, it's so different. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I'm at today, just trying to manage it and understand it and deal with, sometimes I feel like I'm just on like a soap opera some days Um, because adoption is messy and, uh, you know, we're humans and we just throw all of it in the mix together. It's big, like, Mm. Nothing. Right. 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 And then turn on the mixer and go. <laughs> <laughs> go and like yeah. I hope I put in the eggs because, you know, yeah. it may be too late. <laughs> but that's kind of um in a nutshell where where and you know, I've shared with you like there's challenges with my birth mom because, you know, she has a whole different side of trauma that I don't understand and I just I initially you know, growing up, always wanted to know. And so it was always me focused. I was always the center of my adoption world. And so the more that I learned and read and studied, um, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is a Band-Aid ripping off for her, like her life, her secret, and here I am in the flesh, like real. And she's got to experience all of that all over again. And mm-hmm. it's is she okay with that? So sometimes it's hard for her to even go out to lunch with me or even have a conversation with me. Um, 
and she's really private about it. She really doesn't share a lot of the details. So I was I think as adoptees, you're like, I want reunification. I want all my answers, answer, all my questions answered. I want to know my beginning because I've been denied that for so long. And then you're like, okay, you're, you're literally giving me like two pieces of information. <laughs> like, that's not okay. Right. Um, so I think it's, it's, and maybe others have it totally different, which I'm sure we're all different, but um, I'm very grateful for the time and the, you know, the, the information she has given me because um, I think we all want to know why, you know, not that we're upset, not that we're upset. I'm, I love my, my adopted life very much. And so I would tell my birth mother, you know, you're, you're a hero because you made my mom a mom and I had this great life and she just shoots that down. She's like, I'm not a hero. I'm not your hero. Um, so it's, it's a very different, different perspective, I guess, than I have right. created in my head. Um, right. Which we probably all do. Right. Right. I mean, because we, we sit and think, you know, once, once that thought process, because it's a different time and a different age for all of us, when we think we're going to, when the interest starts, you know, when we think we're going to go look. So whether it's 22 or 42 or 62, then you start developing the thoughts. And then when it actually happens, it's always different in some aspect. And sometimes it's a little different and sometimes it's completely different, you know. And then to process all of that, is very hard, you know, and yeah. um, I think, and I know maybe I'm, I don't know if this is a an accurate thing to say, but I really think that a lot of us could use therapy <laughs> of yeah. some sort, um, you know, because, you know, there's really no way to have any no one none of us know how to process this there isn't a book well there are books i shouldn't say that there is there are plenty of books that a lot of us have written but there wasn't a book to tell us to how to go out and do it in the first place you know a lot of us adoptees and um moms first moms have written books now after the fact but there wasn't a book that said okay now if you're going to go do this here, here's a manual. <laughs> there isn't one. So none of us quite right. knew what, to, you know. What, um, yeah, what yeah. to do or how to process it. And actually, like, I'll, mm-hmm. you know, I'll raise my hand and say I am in therapy. And I actually, you know, we talk about, we, we talked about it today uh, about attachment. And, you know, I, I said, you know, I think my, my second son isn't attaching to me. And, you know, part of that is just like normal mominess, right? You're like, oh, I don't know. I think my kid hates me because he's, you know, he slapped me in my face. Sure. And mm-hmm. um, so we had this really good discussion about, um, you know, science telling us that babies in the womb experience feelings, emotions that mm-hmm. the mother does. So like my second son was, my his birth mom was in jail and so he experienced you know so I'm like well he may have some anxiety or I mean she even cited like studies that were done with women that got pregnant after Auschwitz 
and, you know, they studied these people that wouldn't have had any other anxiety in their life other than when they were, 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 you know, in in the womb. So it's interesting to see because we we are biologically connected to our first families. And so whatever we experienced, um, and I think for her, like my, my birth mom, you know, 1979 let's even though it was better than maybe 1929 we still took the baby away and said goodbye you can never see her or know anything we don't even know the family she's going to and she's you know hoping and wishing that that I'm okay I'm safe and that hopefully I don't hate her one day Um, Mm -hmm. so we're you know we're talking with all those things so it is important and that's why I'm like I got to I want to make this right for my own kids and hopefully figure out, um, you know, how to build a good relationship with my birth family because I have it now. Um, But I thought that was really interesting, you know, this attachment that we as humans really want to have. And as a child, you're looking for safety and you're looking for attachment. So, and probably even as adults now, I think we're, you know, you come with this reunification and you're like, I'm looking for those things, right? I'm looking for safety and I'm looking for attachment. And I, you know, I would always say to people, because I think the outside world, there used to be a term, someone make up a term for like non-adopted people. Um, you know, people would say, how does it feel? Like, why do you want to know? Why do you want to mm-hmm. know Why? Why would you like right. you're okay? Like, do I have to be a bad person, you know, to want right. to have that right. desire? So I always found that interesting, um, an interesting concept to like, why do I have to explain my desire to you? You would naturally, innately, I think it's in us, um, to wanna have some knowledge. Now whether we take that and that's what I tell my you know, my children's birth family is I want them to know you, the good, the bad, and the ugly, because that's what we are, a family. We're not perfect. We're not, you know, we make mistakes. We do these things, but we're all here because we loved this child. So mm. that's what I've said. Like, I know she had to love me, and I've had a great life, and I, I've always said, I want to share that with her. But as I'm sharing it with her, she's like, she's not, you know, she's not accepting it. And so that's something I, I learn in therapy, too, is that, we can have all this love to share and to give, but if that person right. isn't expressing it, then, right. you know, these, these sirens go off. And so she could be feeling that unwantedness um, right. because of the lack of support or whatever she had, uh, didn't have when, you know, she was pregnant with me and different things. So, uh, but you're right. I absolutely. I, I think it should be required, you know, and I know it's hard to make people go to therapy, but I think as far as first moms and expectant moms, like if, especially now if you're considering adoption or coming up to reunification, that um, let a professional help you. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. Our brain is no different than our heart or our kidneys or, you know, right. our liver right. and like that. So, um, but, yeah, it's, it's, def- it's not always easy, and I think – you know, because then I've got to manage my birth father relationship, which is completely different. And I don't believe they've spoken since he left. Like, he didn't know that she was pregnant with me. She sent him a letter. Um, you know, it was after the fact that she had already placed me. So, um, 
you know, and I apparently look a lot of like her. So for him to reconnect with me and see like, oh, this is kind of a mini Cassie, <laughs> you know, oh, wow. had for him is, you know, for him as well. And to not be able to speak to, you know, this woman you had a child with that you really didn't have a say, you know, I can't even imagine, you know, the things no. that he's had to keep. And then he didn't tell his family about me. So, you know, it's like, well, how do you, how do you change that now? And what do you want that relationship to look like? Um, yeah. So it's, well, as yeah, adoptees, I mean, we, we come into this, well, and actually to two people's lives, one, usually the family, obviously, well, not in all cases, you know, our, our moms, the family usually knows, not, not in all cases, but then the birth father, um, in a lot of cases, the families don't know because in some cases, they were never told. Um, in some cases, they were. So we're, we're a lot of times a really big secret, you know, because, uh, again, they were never told. <laughs> so we, we go into these families, and where do we fit in, you know, um, mm-hmm. like you with your sister? And, I, you know, you were saying, um, you know, she is having trouble adjusting, and that's sometimes really difficult because that changes the family dynamics immensely depending on how how close you are. You know, if you just kind of drift in and, and it's a very, you know, light relationship and there's not, you know, a lot going on or if you're if you're trying to fully immerse, then that can become really difficult either way because, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I wanted to be a part. I mean, I think, and, and really, I think, yeah. don't we? I mean, how can we, we say? Are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, none of us go, well, you know, I don't really care. I mean, really, none of us are going to say that. I mean, all of us want to be loved by all of our family. And I think the biggest thing that has been, I think, the hardest part is for someone to say to us, you know, well, why do you need to know? Why do you need right. to find that out? Why is there even that need? R- really? That would be like saying, why do you need to know your grandparents or why do you need to know any other human being in your life? Well, because it's family. And whether it's adopted family or it's biological family, it is family. And I think we shouldn't even have to explain that, but I think a simple answer is because we just say it's family, period. And then just stand there and look. (laughs) Just stand there and look at them and go, because it's family, plain and simple. Well, I think the discussion of where, what, you know, why, but why did they give you up, which we are trying to change, and um, the language to say she placed me, and even right. even my own birth mother will still say I gave you up, and so you know we're we're trying to change this this positive or really a negative mindset into adoption mm-hmm. doesn't need to be a secret. I I was a secret for forty years, but it doesn't need to be. And there's this thing of like, right. well, 
gosh, we couldn't possibly talk about why someone didn't want you. Doesn't that hurt your feelings? Well, no, because she had her reason, and that's what, in, in my heart, I know she felt was the best thing. It's, it's hard. I mean, it's the hardest thing in the world to say, I can't be your mama right now. I've got to choose a stranger, a strange family to be your family because I, I can't do it right now. And so I think it's, that's why I've always wanted to know because she gave my, – my mom just wanted to be a mom her whole life. And without my birth mom, that would have never happened. But I also right. want to learn more than ever, like, what she went through so that we don't repeat that, um, so that we can offer help and say, you know, we need to teach the world that adopted people are not – we're not weirdos. We're not strange. It's just, you know, sometimes people will say, well, like, what does it feel like to be adopted? And I'm like, I don't know. What does it feel like to be like in the womb? Did you, did you know how that right. felt? Right. Um, so, you know, my goal is to really help spread this awareness that um, we, we deserve to know our beginning just as anybody else does. And we, we can lead normal, happy lives and, um, be like everybody else so it's it's a beautiful thing I mean it's made my entire life and when I discovered I couldn't have children I'm like all right well let's you know let's do adoption and so what I'm learning about open adoption versus our clothes it's you know nothing will ever be like it used to be and so I think that's that's the struggle that we've faced and we can talk about Catholic charities um you know just just the struggle as as a devout Catholic, I'm like, why aren't you giving me my file? And I think mm-hmm. that was another thing, too. I thought, like, everybody in this process is kind of standing on the sidelines like, you know, how can we help you? Let us open the doors. The law is broken, and we have changed it, and we are, we are you know, struggling through, and we're making things happen. Like, we have all these secrets. Like, let's mm. talk about them. And Nobody wants to do that. And so I think that was also another blow. You're like, okay, I've got my original birth certificate. I have my adoption decree. And I have the magical state seal that says, if anybody has information about my adoption, it is legally okay to give it to me. And I took Mm -hmm. it physically to Catholic Charities. And they were like, sorry, fill out this Mm. form, pay us $50. And what do you want to know? And I thought that was interesting on the forum. What information do you want to know? And I was like, I literally wrote in all caps, all of it. I want all of my file. And then people would say, well, what's the big deal, Heidi? You already know your birth mother's name and your birth father's name. You already have their identity and you've met them. So what does it matter? And I'm like, because that's my file, my beginning. And right. I have every right to know it. And and what's so joyous about, you know, if you if you asked me what I did 20 years ago, I wouldn't remember. And so, therefore, right. my birth parents don't fully remember everything. Plus, they may have blocked some memories. Sure. Um, and my, my birth father had said he always wrote me a letter. Um, and my birth mother said she wrote me a letter. Plus, my birth mother's story isn't linear she she gave me bits and pieces and then her story doesn't fully match with my birth father's story so mm-hmm. it's not that either one is wrong but you 
you just want, it's a big puzzle. It's a puzzle piece. It's a box of a thousand piece puzzle that has been dropped on the floor and you're just trying to pick them up and you're like, I'm missing 75 pieces here. Right. <laughs> and right. This entity that should be willing to work with me. And in all honesty, I think that, you know, they had two years to learn about the law and to prepare. And I think really at the end of the day, they just are not prepared to, um, to deal with, with it. And what have they done with records that they've kept for 40, 50, 60 years? I don't know. Um, but that was probably my biggest disappointment was the lack of just help and communication. And really without your help, I wouldn't have known half of the process of what no, I don't know about but <laughs> I, I mean, it took a long time. So, yeah, I mean, anybody right. that is wanting a file from them, just be a fighter. And, and not in a nasty way, but just in a way of um, continuously following up and not giving up because it's every right to be yours. And, um, you know, I, I just I don't understand why that was such a difficult hurdle. And at the end of the day, I didn't get anything. I got, you know, my, my adopted parents had wanted to be foster parents um, when I was about eight years old because they wanted to be a home for babies in between um, their birth family and their adoptive family. Kind of, again, to show my brother and I, like, what, what we experienced as babies. Um, and that was all they had was a little letter that my parents had written in about wanting to be a foster parent. Um, so I was pretty disappointed in that aspect. Um, I will say St. Joe County, hats off to them, like just above and beyond uh, cooperative, had their files. Like she was calling me before I was calling her to say, oh, I got your paperwork from the state. And she, um, you know, it's just night and day. So it's so interesting to, to see the different processes in it. So I really encourage all of you to just be that fighter. Um, and one day it's not going to be this way, but unfortunately we have to be, we have to pave the way, you know, to blow up that Death Star um, to get things to happen. Um, right. And hopefully they'll, they'll make some changes. I mean, that's how things, things will hopefully happen. But, um, you know, unfortunately, and who knows, like, who knows what is there or where it is what more is in that file because I don't believe that there's nothing on my birth mother or nothing on me from 1979. So um, it's, that was probably the most, the most disappointing. And, and I think you, you know, my parents would always say like, we always support you. We want you to know your birth family. Um, I'll even hear that now sometimes in, in current families that have adopted, well, when they're older, you know, I'll let them, I'll let them decide. And I always say, like, no, you, you like what I do with my children now is we have open relationships um, and it's messy and it's hard. And I don't agree with everything all the time. But um, when they're older, they can decide if they want to continue a relationship. Absolutely. But can you imagine just meeting someone at 21 um, and I mean, I look back and my grandpa my birth grandparents lived in the same city a couple miles away until I was 13 years old. And I could have known them. I could have spent time with them had it been a different era of adoption. Um, 
and I just, who could I have been? You know, and I think that's what we probably all as adoptees think, like, I'm okay with adoption. I'm okay, and maybe not everybody is, but I was okay with it. But I just would have liked to have known that side. Um, right. And so I yeah. think that's what we're, we're evolving to change in that adoption world. And, and really for the right, and I'll, and I'll have some people say, well, like, you don't need you know, your birth, your children don't need to really know their birth family. Um, yeah, they do. And so again, they do. It back to that concept of like, well, just because they place them for adoption doesn't mean they don't want them in their life. Um, so that's really, I think, my passion. bothers me when adoptive parents, and it, it, they can be adoptive parents from current to adoptive parents, of of maybe our parents, my parents' age. Well, you never you never asked, you never said anything, or my children never talk about it. Are you kidding me? We don't know to ask. We don't know what yes. to say. We are children. We don't right. know. We don't we don't know. No. I don't even meet other adoptees that'll say, I don't want to hurt my mom's feelings. Well, you know what? Right. It's not about your mom, and that's where I get a little—I get a mm-hmm. little like New York, New Jersey girl, or whatever—and I say it's not about your mom. It—it it is absolutely who is the center of adoption. It is the adoptee, and that is our right to know. And at the end of the day, it is—it is absolutely just like. Well, does your kid want to brush his teeth? Well, he didn't tell me he wanted to brush his teeth. Well, that's essential for his oral health. You know, it's right. for my emotional health, my mental health. So I think that's where I get so frustrated sometimes with adoptive parents now because it's like, who are you to say that, um, you know, because you're, you're going to have to answer to your, your adopted child in 19, 20 years, and they'll say, you had the chance to introduce me to this family member when I was younger and you didn't because you weren't okay with it. And that's on you. Right. That's your work to do as an adoptive parent. So I really strongly encourage adoptees to say it's okay to respect your adoptive family and say, I, you're my mom, you're my dad. I'm not looking for another mom or dad. And I will never have the relationship I had with, right. with my birth family as I would with them, but I have the right to know them and they have the right to know me. And that's absolutely right. essential. So fortunately I have really understanding and, and, open-minded parents that have always encouraged that for me. Um, but I, you know, I've met people that are just, they're, they're worried about it and, you know, we don't want to offend or hurt anybody, but it's, it's our right to have that knowledge and have that relationship. And it's weird. I mean, my dad, my birth dad, like gave me a hug and a kiss on the cheek. And I'm like, who is this stranger? You know, who is this man that I don't know that's like embracing me and it really caught me guard a little bit because you know our bodies we just they just react so um it was really like, interesting to know me is it yeah right. <laughs> yeah but you know he's a great man and um you know but it's initially he's he's a stranger so I think that that's something to to think about and consider too, like when we're meeting them and it's, we, we want to meet, we do. I mean, just adoptees were like, I've been waiting so long and, you know, I just want to get to the meeting and I just want to see them and hold them and talk to them and just be in their presence. And um, it's really, 
really hard. It's hard to keep it all together. And what do I ask or what do I not ask? What's going to hurt their feelings? Um, you know, and, and understanding their path in life may have been different because I came along. Um, right. So it's, it's a lot of junk and adoptees. Like I get it. Your, your best friend or your sister or brother that you, that you have biologically or whatever, like they're not going to get it. And that's why I think it's, it's helpful to reach out to other adoptees. And I think that's why the conference, I'm really looking forward to it and to just listen and be around other adoptees because we it's, it's hard for the non-adoptive world to really understand. And sometimes it's very emotional to experience mm-hmm. these things. And you're like, what are you talking about? Why are you, why are you upset? Because this person you don't know doesn't want to talk to you. You don't even know them. I'm like, but they're biologically my family. Um, and like you said, Pam, you know, you built up in your head what it's going to be like. And um, fulfillment is always, is always perception and it's different. There's quite a few things I think we do as adoptees. And, and there are quite a few things we experience that, that no one quite knows what to put a title and I and I hate to I hate to put titles but there are titles and I think that is what what adoptees don't understand. They think that we're going to we're gonna make a call, we're gonna get our we're gonna get our birth certificate and we're gonna write a letter or we're gonna make a call and we're gonna do the reunion and that's it. And we're good. And and Anybody who's listening right now that can hear me, that's that's going to be it. And they don't they don't need anything else. But I I want whoever's listening to know that there is much more to this. That we all go through literally the same steps. That if you really go through a reunion, you have what we call a honeymoon phase where everything is so magical and wonderful and then it goes back to what we call normal it's just living and being normal which you want it to do you don't want to be in the honeymoon phase forever even though that feels amazing it's kind of like when you meet your you know your boyfriend or girlfriend and then everything kind of settles down and you live a normal life and then you go you're really getting on my nerves no (laughs) but you know you want to go and get on the normal every day, you know, that you just talk to them on the phone. And, I mean, even though that feels amazing, you do want to get into a normal relationship, and you you want it to last. So there are books to read, even though people go, oh, seriously? But you want to read books. You want to watch some films. You want to get through those steps where you make this relationship last because you don't want this to be a one-time meeting where it just goes away because, I assume you want it to be something that carries on for years. And a lot of people don't put the time and effort into it, and then you're going to get out of that exactly what you put in, which is nothing if you don't work at it. And I hate that for people, you know, because I do – I've done a couple of videos um, that are on our pages um, where I talk about, you know, how to make some phone calls, you know, how to send the letters, um, if you're going to send a letter, not a call, and people will go, oh, my gosh, Pam, I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid to do that call. I, I can't do that call. Yes, you can. 
Yeah, you can. Mm -hmm. And it really isn't as hard as it seems because, you know, I tell I tell you like what to do. I tell you how to write stuff down. Have a notebook in front of you. Write every date down. Write everything down that you think you're going to need. Um, anyway, just make sure you're prepared. Um, I always say, you know, do DNA because um, everybody's mm-hmm. waiting right now. And you know, other states are going to open their, you know, laws too that it's they're going to have the access to. It is going to change. And um Indiana's somewhere in the mid of it. You know, we're kind of at the early end. And I don't know if a lot of people know, but Alaska and Kansas were always open. And they had this fear, you know, oh. that oh my gosh, yeah, they've always been open and there were never any worries. And when we testified, we would always mm-hmm. talk about that. And uh, I have a friend that is uh, that lives in Kansas, and we always talk about that state. And um, anyway, I digress, my ADD-ness. But anyway, there are so many things that need to be done to make this work. And my relationship was never perfect, but my reunion still exists today, you guys, and it is 28 years old, and it will be 29 years old in July. Now, I think that speaks for a really good track record. Either that or I'm insane. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, I've gone to conferences. I've gone to workshops. And that's kind of why we do this, because we want people to learn from it. There's a lot of little things that, you know, people don't think about. Like, um, you know, when you were little, does anybody remember, were you ever scared that your mom, you know, wasn't going to come back and pick you up. Um, yes, like I was afraid that my mom, it. yeah, wasn't going to come back. Well, that's reactive attachment. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's things, yeah. Well, that that kind of bleeds over into our reunion stuff because we're afraid maybe that that reunion's not going to last or that they aren't going to come back. So little things like that, that affects us. And it affects how we do our relationships. It affects how we do our reunions. All of that stuff is part of us. And if us, as in, let's say, 30 to 50 or 60, none of us knew any of that. Maybe a lot of us didn't have any kind of, I don't want to say necessarily therapy or counseling. Maybe it wasn't even a point that we maybe really showed it to people or it was bad enough, not bad enough, but enough where, you know, we thought, I better go see somebody. We hid it enough that, you know, we kind of survived things. You know, I had a pillow as a kid, and I would still, I still sleep with this pillow as an adult. And, you know, that's why I ended up writing this kid's book because, you know, we as adults still keep those feelings, you know, inside and our relationships are still affected. Mm-hmm. As And just because we're grown-ups doesn't mean that we don't still think about those things that we were as kids that, you know, the, you know, the adoptee in us, the little adoptee, it still carries over. And so 
that's when we go through our reunions, that scary little kid is still in there. And so I want everybody to be very careful when we do these reunions. Be very careful with yourself. Be very, very, you know, aware. You know, I don't want you guys going into these reunions, you know, message. You know, you guys can message me always, and that's what I always tell everybody. You know, they think, oh, I can't message her. Oh, yes, you can. That's what I'm here for. And and Jennifer, you know, and Marcy, and that the groups that we have. And I don't care if you're from California and you're going into a reunion, you can message me. Or if you're from Idaho or whoever's listening to this, that's why I'm here. It's not just Indiana, even though that's Indiana Adoptee Network. We're all in this together. So whatever state you're from or whatever, we're in this together. We're all adoptees. And all these states will eventually have access. And I I never use the word, I try not to use the word open. We don't like that word. And if you're ever going to change the law in a state, that's something you don't want to use. So that was something we talked about years ago. Senators, representatives, they don't like that word because it sounds like everything's open and it's going to be open and everyone's going to read it and everyone's going to see it. You know, that's everyone's fear. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, the records are open. Everybody's going to see it and read it. That's the crazy thing because it, you know, even as I grew up and when I was 21 wanted to find my birth mother and that's when you could legally do it in Indiana, it was like, well, we're protecting, we're protecting the birth mom's identity. And I get it. I get it. That was a promise you made in 1979. Uh But let's let's get on board, honey. The the years and times have changed and we're not trying to shame her. We're not trying to make her feel bad for her choice. And I think that's probably, I would love to sit down and talk with a lawmaker that's, you know, opposing it because what is it that we're trying to uphold? You really, you know, if you look at adoption today and I'll, I'll see some agencies are like, well, we, we do closed and open and closed. And I'm like, well, okay, I get it. If you do closed, if there's a safety issue or something that's, that's necessary, but what are you doing to have conversations with expectant families to say, you know, this is why open adoption is, is the best way and is the healthiest way. So, so it's interesting to, to, and it all comes back Pam, to fear. It all comes back to right. what, are, what are we afraid of? And well, you're creating that fear lawmaker or whomever, like you're the one that made my birth mother feel this way because, you wouldn't help her or she was shamed mm-hmm. into something or, you know, so it's, it's, it's just a very interesting concept. And we're not saying like, gosh, you, you didn't even have to list your social security number in 1979 to, to place a baby for adoption. So it's, so no. we're not giving away the kitchen sink, you know, but it's, it's just so interesting. And I feel like the more, we do support each other, and I'll be the first to say, when I was really struggling with Catholic Charities, I emailed Pam, and I was like, I don't know, this lady's, like, big stuff. Like, she changed a lot. I don't know if she'll respond to me. And you did, like, <laughs> immediately. And you were like, I'm calling them. Like, Pam is so good at just being an action person, and I think that's what we we need to help and rely on each other because we we're all in this together, whatever state we're in, and the more – 
the more we learn, you know, I, I watch three identical strangers and I think that's so good to come out and yeah. really learn um, different, you know, unfortunately the, the sad parts about it, but something that really stuck out to me was, you know, when they reunited and found each other, they were also right. focused on how they were alike that yes. they, they missed how they were different. You know, we are, and I think that's something too, um, you know, we like, I want, I always wanted to know whose nose I had or who I looked like, or did I share yes. the same hobbies? Um, yeah. but adoptees, please remember that you are you and you are different. And if they have made poor choices in their life or, you know, they get angry or upset with you, like that's them, that's not you. And so I think that's important to understand too, like just our own identities and, we aren't defined by that. I mean, adoption is my life. It does define me, but all all of it together is not something that I'm going to look back and say, oh, my gosh, this is so, so crazy. But I think um, they – and you know what? That is a really good point. I, I think that is something we don't focus enough on, that we are our own person. I think that is – something that we do need you are right we do need to find strength in that we are our own person and we can stand you know on our own two feet but i think there is this like it's kind of a split thing that we need sometimes desperately to find that connection you know that connection is what is what we've been missing and someone um at another conference i used to go to which i which shall remain nameless, um, it, they always described it as looking into a mirror backwards, that there was no reflection. And I never had thought of it that way. And I was like, it's so true. Because until, and for you, I imagine this is so different, because when you don't have something that's biological, you have nothing to reflect you know, until until you meet your birth parents. You know what I mean? And, you know, until mm-hmm. you can do something that's biological to you. And then, of course, I had my kids and they looked nothing like me. <laughs> like, well, that did no good. <laughs> no good at all. So I went. But, I mean, it's like, um, you know, you feel, though, that you want something that is not necessarily even, I guess it doesn't even have to look, their children don't have to look like you, but that you have that blood connection. And it's so... Mm-hmm disheartening to not have that or the other thing is is that it's dismissed I think you know what I mean that not only do you not have it but it's dismissed that you don't need it I think that's the other thing and you know it always gets thrown out that it's the um the family tree we always bring that up um in school you know that we're not you know you try to do that in like second grade and we're doing the family tree, and you do it full well knowing that this is not your biological, you know, family right. tree. And um, I know most of us did that, and most of us had that thought go through our head. And there, there are quite a few of us that, you know, may be just as proud of our family that we were raised with that has nothing to do with it. And um, I know... A lot of people have, you know, adoptive families and adoptive parents that get very offended by 
bringing up the fact that they want to look, you know what I mean, that they even have that mm-hmm. thought. And um, that's just not fair to us. I mean, why can't we? You know, why Why as adults can we just not have that ability as adults to look? And males, especially, you know, older males, will not look until one or both adoptive parents are deceased. Okay. That is very t- yeah. So yeah, that's so interesting. Right. And I think it, so, it, it goes back to what you said, Pam. I mean, it's about being afraid. And I mm-hmm. think for couples, you know, my, my parents were always open about their infertility and we just wanted to be parents. And I think sometimes if, okay, well, if you're going to look for your birth family, then the world is going to be reminded that I couldn't physically have a baby or, or whatever it is, you know, whatever trauma goes into that. Or it could be, I can't protect you, child. I can't protect you from whatever bad part your life could have been or would have been, or maybe your birth family will reject you. And I, you know what I mean? It's, I guess it's that innate part of being a parent because I'll struggle with that. I'm like, Oh gosh, one day I'm going to have to tell him these things. And it's, it's like a lifetime after school special. So how mm-hmm. I, I can't protect him from that. And so I think that it's, it's absolutely not the adoptee's fault in any way. It's the adoptive parents or family to say like, that's work that I have to work through. And I have to come to understand that like, it's, it's on me. It's not on my adopted child to 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 understand that. I mean, but it's totally okay, every right to want to know your birth family. And that doesn't erase me. You know, it doesn't erase this adopted family. It doesn't say, you know, I I'm not grateful or I'm not, you know, we I'm I'm still your child, but I have this other family. And yeah. that desire I just I truly believe it's innate. So um, but like you said, it's biology, and we don't have to always look for who we resemble, but to have that blood connection because we may have right. a really right. close relationship or, um, you know, I may not look like everybody on my birth dad's family, but I'm a writer, and there's so many writers in his family, you know, so many creative mm. photographers, producers, you know, so many great things. And so it's like, oh, my gosh, I can really identify with somebody now. And that's yeah. what we're looking for. Um, yeah. So I just encourage everybody to, you know, you, you finally get that click. I was like, I fit in somewhere. And not that anybody in my adoptive family ever made me feel like I didn't fit in, but it's, it's just, it's like finding those puzzle pieces and saying, this goes so well together. And it's something I always knew that it really did exist and would go well together. So I just well, encourage I- adoptees to really... Did you ever, or do you see in in your boys? Do you feel like you see yourself at all? I mean, do you see any behavior that you think that maybe you were at that age? I mean, do you do you see any of that, or do you think they behave differently than you did as a child? Do you see anything yet? I mean, or they too young yet to? Um, my youngest son is much like his birth mother. He, and she will even admit it. She'll say, he's got an attitude like me. Um, my but do you see yourself son, in them though at all? Do you see I like, do, in my, 
by a yeah. four-year-old, I, I see a lot of, um, you know, he likes the things that I like. Um, he talks in ways that I talk, my intonation, my words. Um, he, you know, he, he, we let him sleep in our bed. He come and I, which I swore I would never do, but he comes and cuddles yeah. with me. And it's so, it's so important because that's attachment. And, um, right. I see things in him. I mean, he, I love Pride and Prejudice and I found this little kid's Pride and Prejudice book and he loves it and we do the voices and it's just, you know, those are things that are me, um, that he, and that he enjoys. So. Cause I wondered you know, like, you know, um, you know, as I see, um, as I see foster children and I see, you know, sometimes as they struggle, I wonder how I acted because I, I can't remember quite myself and I wonder what my behavior was. You know, I mean, I remember some things, so I wonder, I wonder how it was. You know what I mean? I wonder yeah. how, um, I wonder how at a young age we were, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But my mom will say that there were times my brother and I behaved and they're like, we don't know where that came from. That must've been from their birth family. Um, right. But I actually, my adoptive mom and I have, we look similar and we have very similar voices to the point when I was growing up, like she would pick up the phone and just talk to my friends. So it's very interesting how there was no biology between us, but we looked and behaved very similarly. Right, right. I yeah. mean, it's just crazy, I think. I mean, you know, but, you know, I mean, but it's life. you just, you think, you know, we've got to have had some things because there, there is that trauma that exists, you know, and you, you don't want to put behavior where it doesn't exist, but I'm sure there are little things that happen that even in the smallest ways, and I'll never forget, and I I'm trying to think now who it was, and I don't want to say their name because that's that's not fair. But um, one of my friends, I remember them sitting on one of their parents' lap, laps, and their arms and legs are straight out. Um, and they did not want to be held. I don't remember the age, but they just did not want that that touch you know they were just beyond there was that trauma so it was just like oh my goodness you know what I mean it was just um I could see it and they could see it but I, they I don't think they remembered it at the time but they a little bit of it and I just thought oh my gosh it just shows where our little bodies just couldn't accept that attention you know what I mean and mm-hmm. I, I just but, oh, my goodness, that poor little body, you know, was like, don't hold me, don't touch me, you know, leave me alone. And I just felt so bad, you know. It was just absolutely horrible. And what our little brains must be going through and what we fight and, you know, what we feel. And we can't tell anybody. We're too little and our brains are not capable of saying that. And again, what I was saying about um, some some foster children that I was thinking about, you know, what they think and what they say, you know, they can't they can't say right now, you know. So, you know, different kids, you know, 
don't have the verbal skills to tell you, hey, I'm mad at you, <laughs> uh, I'm sad, right. you know, that, you know, but, um, you know, it's, you can just go by what you can think they might think, you know, or you can just do the best you can, you know, and, and go with that. But you've got a lot of, um, you've got a lot of education on your side for your boys and, um, you know, you really have quite a bit to, to give and, um, that's a huge advantage for them. So I think that you've really, you've really given them, you know, tons to go on. So that's amazing. Well, thanks, Pam. It is. It is. It's good. I mean, it's amazing. So I was going to ask you, we've gone a little over um, what I think we were going to time-wise, but I I can't, you know, we can't just stop in the middle of all this good talk. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, you know, you and I have talked, to, talked about, like, Catholic charities for our Indiana peeps. We've talked about... Um, you know, um, the state being a little bit behind. Actually, one of the news crews has done a, you know, a, a story on that. Um, but I don't know if you have, you know, you know, read anything or if you've got any sources that you think are good. Um, you know, I know for me, um, there's just there are a ton. Of course, there will be some of those at the conference. Um, which I mentioned at the beginning, which is in April. Um, it is the 5th and 6th, and um, we will have 12 workshops, 11 or 12. Um, we're trying to decide. We're kind of, you know, going back and forth because we actually have two panels, so we're trying to decide if we're going to add an extra one. Um, and this is going to be probably one of the biggest ones uh, it is a brand new hotel, so this thing is just going to be amazing. They are going to have like free shuttle to and from the airport if you are flying in. Uh, there's a lot of free food that's going to be there. Uh, the, I think I know the Saturday lunch is free, and like I said, there's going to be two panels this year, which we have n not done yet, which. That is going to be amazing. So uh, the film that's going to be released, we are going to be only the third audience that's going to be viewing this, and it I've already seen the trailer, and um, it's amazing. And uh, Reshma did a workshop last year for us, and if you've not seen her, she is hilarious, first of all. But this movie is serious. Uh, it's her going back and visiting um, her home country. It's Calcutta is my mother, and it. I'm, I know I'm going to cry. I'm already about ready to cry even talking about it. So, um, of course, I'm a sap, but um, it's going to be amazing. And so, like I said, we'll be the only other people to, you know, have gotten to see it. And so um, I'm just excited for it. We didn't even know we were going to do a third conference. We may even be ready to do a fourth. We're already talking about that. So the year 2020, which is even weird to say, um, but um, I'm hoping. What's weird is we don't. We end up having people from California, Canada, Brazil, 
and our Indiana people don't come. And we're like, are you kidding? It's for you guys. And you guys are right here. You can drive and go home, and you don't come. Um, and I get this. I can't afford it. No, you guys. Those conferences that usually have this are three and four days long, and it's really expensive. This is not, and this is so amazing. And if you guys pass this up, ah, don't, because this is so good. Um have you read any books that, like, you really love or that are top on your list? I I have a couple books. Um, one, um, and then I do read, like, different things, uh, you know, online and Facebook. And I will say that I also will read things that I don't necessarily agree with just so I sure. can get a different sure. viewpoint to see, okay, yeah. is this um, – you know, what, what are they talking about? What are they, what's their perspective? Um, one of a really good fiction book that I read recently was Before We Were Yours, um, such a powerful story about Georgia Tan and uh-huh. just all of the horrible things that were happening uh, back in the 20s and 30s um, with right. adoption, but really, you know, kind of how America launched its adoption and how things kind of started. So it's, that's, I think, a really good read. Uh-huh. Um, of course, the girls who went away. I I read that um, many years ago, but I think that's a really good perspective just to learn about. Um, I think it's helpful as an adoptee. You know, maybe our focus is always about us as an adoptee, but I think it's helpful right. to learn about our birth mothers because they experience right. something completely different than than we have. So right, I think that, right. and then, of course, uh, uh, Three Identical Strangers, that's a film that um, was recently released, and I think really, uh, really interesting to see, again, the behavior of, of adoption and um, how these these three guys didn't even know they um, had had identical brothers. So yeah. um, that's probably, I guess, the the couple that I would probably put my, my mark on for good. now. Um, Those are good. Yeah, All good. Well, the first one I haven't heard about, but if anybody knows about Georgia Tan at all, that is one of the most evil women that ever existed, and she died before they could even make her pay for what she did. She, she was really, really pretty bad. And it's great because the author, um, her website has, like, you can learn about the history, and I I'm a sucker for history and historical writing. So even though it's a fiction book, it is based on events that happened and characters, but then you can go on her website and learn and see pictures and different things about, about Georgia Tan. Um, And I think it's just a good perspective of how, how things were and how people were treated and just again, unification and searching and just this like, Oh my gosh, I didn't even know that this other world existed. So, um, and you know, go ahead. What? Oh, I was just going to say, I think it was even back in the fifties. Like if you couldn't physically get pregnant or have a child, you were kind of looked on as like, Ooh, oh yeah, to you, you know. So that's mm-hmm. why, so, you know, there's all these different cultural things that go into the mix of why adoption was such a secret. Right. right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You 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 needed to have children to be a person. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, those are all good. Um, well, I don't, I mean I can't speak for the first one, but I mean I I think those are some definitely some interesting things and. Um, 
you know, if you guys are interested, I'm sure you can probably hop on Amazon. And Ann Fessler, you know, wrote The Girls That Went Away. And um, she's definitely amazing. And The Perfect Strangers, I haven't seen that yet. But um, that is, I mean, definitely those guys made the rounds back in the Phil Donnie days. Mm-hmm. Those guys are back out, actually, um, right now. Um mm-hmm as an older group and I'm not going to give some of that away because there's some, you know, newer stuff they've talked about. But anyway, um, I want to thank you for coming on and yeah, sure for me. That, yeah, we, we could definitely, um, you know, talk longer and you and I had talked earlier. We may do a show. Maybe you and I could do one where we take actual calls. Um, we could do some question and answer, maybe on some Indiana stuff of how to do things, yeah. which might be great, you know, because Indiana stuff is is really hard to maneuver around. Um, but thanks for coming on, and um, I appreciate it. And those of you who are listening today that are Indiana people, you know, you can get a hold of me. Um, go to our website, which is indianaadoptinetwork.org. We have a Facebook page, and there is another page that is not mine, but we do go on there, and I do, um, I'm an administrator on it, which is adoptee and birth parents of Indiana. You have to request to be on it. It is a closed page so that people can't see, you know, necessarily what you're posting. If you're kind of worried now, Indiana Adoptee Network's page is open, so um, you can get on that one. Um, so thanks for you guys for listening and I hope you guys, um, enjoyed today and hopefully learned some things and I know I did and, um, it's been great to be back today and we're going to have some great guests coming up, um, leading up to the conference and you guys will get to meet some of the people that are going to speak at the, um, at the conference and that are going to have some workshops. Um, it should be some great fun. And thanks again for joining us. Thanks again, Heidi. And you guys, I will see you next time. And as usual, you know my uh, signage, blue skies and green lights. Thanks again, Heidi, and I will talk to you later. Thank you. Okay, guys. All righty, bye. Bye.